You're listening to the podcast for Asbury United Methodist Church. Join us every Sunday for worship at 8.30 or 10.45. Find out more at asburybosier.org. Well, good morning. Uh, It's good to be with you on this third Sunday of Advent where we talk about moving from an almost love to an altogether love. And that's what we've been doing over the last couple of weeks, talking about the difference between an almost Christian and an altogether Christian based on John Wesley's sermon that he offered in 1741, the founder of Methodism, uh, called the Almost Christian. And I'll give you the same footnote uh, that I gave you the last couple of weeks. When I talk about an almost Christian and an altogether Christian, I'm not saying that one group is out and another group is in. That is, that is not the point The point is recognizing the fullness of what God is doing, recognizing the power of God, and also being called out into the world to accomplish what God is calling us uh, to do. So we're looking at what it means to be moved from an almost Christian to an altogether Christian using the lenses of our Advent disciplines of hope or peace, hope, love, and joy. So today we talk about love. Our scripture lesson today comes from the Gospel of Luke, the first chapter, uh, beginning with the 46th verse. And this is what is traditionally known as the Magnificat, or Mary's words of praise after meeting her cousin Elizabeth. It'll be on the screens and it's also in your Bible. (coughs) Excuse me. Let us hear the word of the Lord. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. Surely from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me, and holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy according to the promise he made to our ancestors, to Abraham and to his descendants forever. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So have you seen Frozen 2 yet? Some have, some haven't. Okay, you should see this movie. It's a fantastic movie. It's it's part two of the Frozen saga, right? Uh, No spoilers, I I promise. There's this great song at the very beginning. Uh, It's it's Elsa's... um, uh, Let It Go song this time around. Uh, it's called Into the Unknown. Into the Unknown. Into the Unknown. And it's great because Elsa's hearing this voice that no one else can hear. And it's calling out to her. I can't do it. Da da. No one else can hear it. And she hears this voice and it's calling out. Interestingly, in the song, her, her language, the words of the song are very tentative. She's not sure if she wants to go or not. I hear you, but I don't. Should I stay here? What's going on? But the music tells another story. 
When she sings into the unknown, the music starts to go. There's this energy in it. Right? My fear is that if, if we were singing that song about our calling on God, we would title it Into the Unknown with a question mark. Because we as a people like certainty. We don't like stepping out into the unknown. We don't like stepping forward when we can't project what is going to happen. And this journey that Mary is on is a journey into the unknown. And it happens in three parts. The annunciation or the announcement when the angel Gabriel came to the Virgin Mary. The annunciation. And then it goes to the affirmation when she meets with her cousin Elizabeth. And then finally to proclamation when she offers her magnificat. And it, it is a, a journey into the unknown. It's not that Mary doesn't know who Jesus, I, I, I push back, I push back on the song, Mary, did you know? Mary, did you know that your baby boy would one day walk on water? Yes, <laughs> she did. Mary, did you know that your baby boy would save our sons and daughters? Yes, she knew. The angel Gabriel told her. The shepherds told her. Simeon told her in the temple. So did Anna, also a prophet, a prophet in uh, the temple when Jesus was uh, dedicated on the eighth day. Mary knew. But this unknown journey isn't about not knowing what's going to happen to Jesus. It's a journey about recognizing that she herself was given very few guarantees. The unknown was her journey. It begins with annunciation or the announcement. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and he came to her and said, greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. Here's the thing about being favored by God. If an angel appears to you and says, greeting, favored one, you have found favor with God, it rarely means that the rest of your story will be about wealth and power and security and the good life. When an angel appears to you, remember, angel is messenger of God. Last week we talked about how the angels announced to the shepherds and then the shepherds announced to the holy family, angels giving birth to angels. When the angel announces to you that God has given you a job to do, it is often a difficult road. So this angel says, greeting favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was much perplexed by his words and pondered what kind of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And now you will conceive. Remember last week we talked about the certainty of hope. You will conceive in your womb and bear a son and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and call. Mary, did you know? Yes, he will be great and he'll be called the son of the most high and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his ancestor, David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever in his kingdom. There will be no end. And then Mary interrupts the angel. And she says, I'm not sure if you know how it works here on earth, <laughs> um, but I, I, I'm, I'm a virgin. 
I'm paraphrasing, but she says, how can this be since I am a virgin? The angel said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you and therefore the child to be born will be holy. Mary, did you? Yes. He will be called the Son of God. And now your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son and this is the sixth month for her who is said to be barren. For nothing is impossible with God. And then Mary says something remarkable. She says, Here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. And then the angel, as angels are known to do, departed from her. Mary, you have found favor with God. And then he went and told her about who her son would be. But understand, Mary herself was not given many guarantees. Especially in the ancient world, it is good news that there's a pregnancy, but it's also very dangerous news. Often in the ancient world, women literally gave their life for their child to be born. And remarkably, Mary, who is just starting her life, says, here am I, servant of the Lord. Mary was not given any guarantees. This, <coughs> excuse me, this reading is important because it, it, it posits Mary as a prophet according to the tradition of the Old Testament. Much like Isaiah and Jeremiah and Moses, Mary in and of herself is a prophet in the way that this annunciation has been recorded. There's a word from God, and then there is a pushback from the prophet. Remember Isaiah, the calling of Isaiah. Isaiah, you're going to be my mouthpiece. You're going to give the people my word. And he goes, how can this be? I'm a man of unclean lips. Jeremiah, I want you to be my prophet. Jeremiah says, but wait, I'm too young. Moses, I want you to go free my people, but I'm not an eloquent speaker. Who, if they ask me who sent me, what am I supposed to tell them? In every prophetic announcement, there's a word from God and then a pushback from the prophet. But then here with Mary's story, she ends with affirmation. Here am I the servant of the Lord. So here is Mary, this great prophet of God. So this annunciation then moves into affirmation. The angel said, your cousin Elizabeth, who was thought to be barren, is with child. So Mary goes with haste to visit her. Remember I said last week, with haste, that phrase is only mentioned twice in the Gospel of Luke. Once here, when Mary goes with haste to visit Elizabeth, and the second time is when the shepherds went with haste to Bethlehem. There's this urgency in sharing the word of God. Here's the thing. Mary travels, and I mentioned this before, but it bears mentioning again. Mary lives in the north, in the hill country of Judea. Elizabeth lives in the south. Uh, so, yeah, she lives in uh, Galilee. Elizabeth lives in the south in Judea. In the meeting of these two women, God is doing something quite remarkable. Israel, in its history, after King Solomon, became a divided nation. 
You had Israel in the north, and you had Judea in the south. So when Mary from the north visits Elizabeth in the south, God is bringing back together the old kingdom. God is reuniting God's people to be one. That's remarkable. Not only that, as we have already seen, Mary is a prophet in and of herself, in her own right. Elizabeth is married to Zechariah, who is a priest and therefore a keeper of the law. So not only when Mary and Elizabeth meet is the north and the south being reunited, but also are the law and the prophets coming together. And that was one of our signs that the Messiah was to come, is that the law and the prophets would come together. Not only that, God is uniting the kingdom, bringing the law and prophets together, and he's doing it through women, which is countercultural at the time. Not only that, there are women who culturally have very little value. Elizabeth was older, and she thought she could not have children anymore. Because in the ancient world, that was your value, is if you could bear children. So Elizabeth's time had passed. And then Mary has not yet been married, and she is also a virgin. She doesn't have children either. So in a very real sense, as Mary is about to proclaim, God is lifting up the lowly. Those who culturally had very little value and very little voice have been made instruments of God to unite the kingdom and to bring the law and the prophets together. And what happens? The child in Elizabeth's womb leaps for joy in this moment. But more on joy next week as we light that candle. So we go from annunciation to affirmation, the child leaping for joy, to proclamation. This is the third scene. This is the Magnificat that Mary offers, which is our text this morning. It's powerful words. It says, he will, God will scatter the proud and, and the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones. Remember, the angel did not appear to the palace. He appeared before the shepherds. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and he has sent the rich away empty. These are her words. And this really, this really makes Mary the greatest prophet in Scripture because when we see Isaiah, when we see Jeremiah, when we see Ezekiel, it says, thus says the Lord, and they repeat what God has told them. This is Mary's own words offered. There is no Mary repeat this for my people. It is her outflowing of her trust and her love and her knowledge of God. Mary, did you know? Yes. She knew. She knew who Jesus was. But she herself was given few guarantees. You know, the angel Gabriel said, the power of the Holy Spirit will overshadow you. 
And this shadow under which Mary lived was great indeed. When Mary and Joseph brought Jesus to the temple eight days after he was born to be dedicated and to be named officially, Simeon, who was a prophet in the temple, a a temple steward, he looks at Mary and he says, this child is destined for the falling and the rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be opposed. Mary, did you? Yes. The inner thoughts with this child, the inner thoughts of many will be revealed. But then he looks at Mary and says, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. The Holy Spirit will overshadow you. How great a shadow indeed. And this is where we move from an almost love to an altogether love. We use the the word love very casually, don't we, in our language? I love buffalo wings. I love frozen two. These kind of things. But that, that, that... it pales in comparison to what, what, what love actually is, what an altogether love is. It's not about really liking something. It's not even about being filled with great desire. It is about sacrifice. It is about recognizing the power of the other. I'll put it to you this way. An almost love admires a flower picks it, and then places it in an arrangement for others to see. Now, in the last couple of weeks, when I'm talking about almost and altogether, almost has value. Remember, almost is offering someone a get well card. Altogether, however, is sending someone a get well card, but also praying that they get well. So there is value with almost. An almost love is like picking a flower, is admiring a flower, picking the flower, and then putting it in an arrangement. It seems to be beautiful, except once you've picked the flower, it now has about a week or so to live. An altogether love equally admires the flower, but it allows it to bloom just where it is and to thrive just where it is. And frankly, you love it so much, you let it go and you let it be so that it might follow its calling. This week, uh, I found out that uh, Drake Dodd has enlisted with the Marines. Uh, And I asked Nikki's permission. um, If you haven't seen her Facebook post, you need to read it. It's beautiful. And it's spot on of what an altogether love looks like. This is what she wrote. Our jobs as parents is definitely not an easy one. But one that we have specific goals for our children We raise our children in hopes that they will become productive members of society, have the education for a career that they will love, 
have a family and one day children so that they too can understand unconditional love. We hope they love their country and their neighbors and help those in need. We hope they know Jesus so they may have an internal peace and a hope for something greater. Probably the hardest part of our jobs as parents is the letting go. Today is our first step in letting go. I'm proud to say my son has decided to join the Marines. Although his journey is now just beginning, we as parents still have a little more time to adjust to the transition. And here's the I had nine months to get ready for him to arrive. And now I have nine months to get ready for him to leave. That is an altogether love. A love that is not in it for yourself. A love that has the maturity to answer God's call into the unknown a love that has the maturity to let go. Annunciation, affirmation, proclamation. Mary was moving into the unknown indeed, not because she didn't know who Jesus was or who Jesus would be, but she herself was given very few guarantees. And she said yes anyway to what God was calling her to do. That's how we move to an altogether love. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. Gracious God, your love is an amazing gift. Something that I hope to understand one day. Father, we give you thanks for this calling that we hope to hear. A calling that we hope to search for. Not a calling for ourselves, but a calling to transform the world. And Father, I also give you thanks for the prophets in our midst who are teaching all of us what an unconditional love looks like. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.